Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Living Fellowship. Everybody online, welcome. So glad you've all come out to hear the word of the Lord and we can join together in praise and worship. Uh, very excited about what we've been speaking or going to speak on here today. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I believe we're going to read just one verse there in verse 12. Now, a quick review. Online, I've posted two recordings on Fear Not. And I've got a lot of really good feedback on that. Today, we're going to talk about godly fear. So, the Bible depicts two distinct fears. One is clean and one is unclean. Psalms 19 and 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean. But then Paul tells us of another fear and says that, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So if you want to go back and look at the unclean fear, or as Daniel in Chicago calls it, the wrong fear, because there's a right one, the clean one, uh, you can listen to those recordings. But today I'm going to focus more on godly fear. Godly fear. And I think four times in the King James uh, translation, God uses the phrase, my fear. He owns it. It's his fear. And uh, I think Job 28, 28 says, the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, and we spoke, I believe, last week that the fear of the Lord must be taught. And I've got a pretty clear path on how to begin doing that with all of you folks here today. And I'll just start off by telling you this. It starts and ends with righteousness. Righteousness. In the beginning, as just, let's say, children of God, here in the physical realm, how many of you can remember way back when you, God dealt with your heart and you made up a commitment to God that I want to serve you, I want to know you. Something took place there for me very uh, distinct, and you'll have to um, witness for yourself, or, you know, it's between you and God, but I'd love to hear the conversations that we could have on this, um, but there was a desire in me to do what was right. And when I say that, I mean right before the Lord, to be right in front of God. And that's the, that's the righteousness that God can impute unto us. He does impute righteousness to us. But there's a little bit of a slippery slope here where a deception can work, where you try to be right in your own works. Not before God, but you just, you just want to be right. And uh, Paul covers that in Romans, the 10th chapter, talking about Israel. Um, now, I know, Jennifer, you want to, you need to get out to Sunday school, huh? So I'm going to get right to that. Uh, before we get started or go any more in the word of the Lord, I just want to thank all of you so much online, here at the church, in Chicago, in Boise, in Yuma, and people that are uh, not even going to a church for uh, helping my son and his wife, Bryson and Cassie. Thank you guys so much for your giving um, to them. They, when, when I told them about it, they broke down in tears. So they expressed their appreciation to all of you. And I'm going to have Jennifer share a, a report. She did something really special. And I want you guys and everybody online to hear what took place. This is Jennifer Wells. I'm going to just, I don't want my back to them. So, um, so when Pastor Brian told us 
about it. I teach first grade, most of you guys know that, and Carson is in first grade. And so the teacher in me, but also wanting to do something for them, I asked, I went to my students and all of my students, we talked about it, I showed them the pictures, and they wrote letters to Carson. And so they wrote letters and I bound it in a little folder and I wrote a letter to him as well um, in the front. And then I went and bought each of them a little toy because everything was gone, right? And so I told my students, this is from us. Um, and it was really kind of special because then I went to my principal and I said, sometimes we have backpacks left over. And I told her the story and she was like, yes, here's a backpack and here's a reading buddy. And then Summer joined in and the librarian gave me books. And so anyways, we got this really great little care package together and um, we sent it to them. And I just, you know, you never know how it's gonna be received or whatever, but Cassie sent me pictures and texted and she said that Carson read every letter and that they all cried while he read them. And then she sent me, um, she thanked us so much, and then she said it was really great because he had been really negative and, and sad about the whole, which of course, right, you would be, and that it was changing his attitude. And then she texted me the next day and said he had all the books in front of him, and she said that he had just read all the books to everybody, and um, then she sent a picture of the baby, and he was playing in the box. So <laughs> he liked the box. So um, it was really great, and I was glad they really appreciated it. So it was great. Yep. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, I was going to explain real quick, because Linda has her daughter here today, uh, Marissa and, B and Bianca, right? Did I say it right? Her niece. Okay. Um, what happened was, Marissa, my son lived in Florence, Oregon. Well, he's still there living, but he had a house uh, by a lake with a bunch of big trees, and a long story short, a 150-foot tree fell on their house while they were sleeping at night. I think the day after Christmas. And my son calls me and said, hey, Dad, had a bad night last night. <laughs> I'm like, really? They escaped with their life. They accredit God for the miracle. We asked the church if anybody would like to, because I had people telling me we need to do something, um, can we give some money or help them in any way? Uh, all the churches came together, gave a tremendously uh, awesome offer, and Jennifer did what she did, and all of you, I believe, and I'm, I'm asking even more, keep them in your prayers. Pray for them. Let it be a testimony and a witness of God's grace and his goodness. Um, God loves them. God you guys showed your love, even in action, and thank you very much. I appreciate it so much. Okay? Now, let's get right into this word of the Lord. How many of you are, have your Bibles in, your, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter? Like I said, we're going to read one verse here. I believe we read this verse last recording. We're going to do it again. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, 28th verse. Wherefore, now Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews is talking about two different covenants right here. One that could be shaken and one that cannot be shaken. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Terry. And two covenants, one he made with Moses and Israel. And the second covenant, uh, which is a kingdom that cannot be shaken, is an oath with Jesus Christ. Verse 28. Wherefore... We, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God 
acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's what I want you to note right off the bat. How do we serve God? With reverence and godly fear. Some people uh, define the fear of the Lord because that's godly fear, what God says, my fear, as simply a reverence. But here, our writer says we'll serve him with reverence and godly fear. So godly fear goes beyond just a reverence of God. Some people, I mean, we all have different understandings. We're all in different places with God. You could ask some people, and they'll say, what is the fear of the Lord? Let's say, I'm afraid of God because he's so powerful. And, and he could destroy me. He could hurt me. He could say, no oxygen, everything dies. And, and I'm just afraid of that. That could be a fear that is unclean and cause you to look at God, God as a, a tyrant, as a dictator, as an evil individual. But when you really understand the fear of the Lord, you'll see that, that God is good, that God is righteous, and his kingdom is built on righteousness. So godly fear, you're going to see, is a good thing. He says in one of the uh, prophets that, He's going to put my, I'm going to put my fear before their eyes and do them good. So notice that. Let's equate it real quick. Godly fear is a good thing. Okay. Godly fear does good things for you. It brings you wisdom. It brings you understanding. It helps you see things that uh, are clean and, and perceive them correct. Now, also, I'm going to read this again. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Who's he talking? I'm going to reference something real quick. I think it was after the rich man left and the disciples were there. They said, we've left all, like you said to him. I'm paraphrasing. I think it's Matthew 19. We left all. What do we get? What did he say they get? Twelve apostles. A kingdom. The apostles get a kingdom. They've got thrones. They're going to sit on those thrones and judge God's people. Israel. I think it says right there, the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, but does everybody here have a kingdom? Is everybody you know a king? Could be, huh? How would you know? God would have to show you. You'd have to have witness on that. I don't have witness that every person I know or every person I ever meet uh, is going to be a king. Because guess what? In a king, you also have to have servants too, don't you? There's a lot of things that make up a kingdom. And when you're talking about the kingdom of God, it's the first thing you should uh, seek, Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's right, Sharon. All these things shall be added unto you. So what's the first thing we seek? The kingdom of God. And notice how they... Uh, uh, go together so well. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right? I believe it's Romans 14 and 7. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, where's the Holy Ghost at today? The Holy Ghost is a spirit, right? You can't see a spirit. Is the Holy Ghost in you? Is the spirit of God in you? The spirit of truth? Absolutely. Um, is the kingdom of God in, it is, I just quoted it to you, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
So first of all, we're talking about an inward work. That God establishing a kingdom in you and I. And, and again, where we fit in that kingdom, if you're a king, a queen, a, a servant, whatever's in that kingdom, God would need to show each and every one of us that, wouldn't he? Even when it comes down to something, Tim, as simple as being a believer. You know, we'll blanket a thing and say, uh, well, I know you're all believers. Okay, that could be true, but do you have witness on that? Because, or do they know who they are? Do you understand what I'm saying here? No. <laughs> We're all in a different place. We're all in different levels, if you want to call it that, a different relationship with God. But what you want to stand on is what's right, what God has revealed to you, what you actually have witness on, not only for yourself, but for others also. And then we'll keep things right, and we won't tell people there's something that they're not. You with me? God will show you who you are. God will show you his will for your life. God will show you what he needs with you, for you, and uh, together with you. And um, we'll leave those things up, up to the Lord to determine those things. But we do know by the scriptures that Jesus said the apostles will receive a kingdom. And there is the kingdom of God. Where is it at? It's in us, isn't it? Okay. Now, let me think here. The fear of the Lord is also godly fear. Oh, I was going to mention too, he said that that's how we serve God, with this godly fear, with a, a clean fear. Um, Hebrews, the first chapter and the eighth verse. Now, the writer of Hebrews is talking about sonship here, and the, the basically the supremacy of God's son or being a son of God. And he shows in this chapter that uh, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, but it, when, when it comes to power and who has all authority, was it Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and said, my kingdom's not of this world? Did he? he said, if it were my father, I could call down 12 legions of angels. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. They continually thought that Jesus being the Messiah was going to set up a kingdom on, on earth. And what did he tell them? He said, I'm from above, you're from beneath. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. His kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. And Julie, where's the kingdom of heaven at? They'll say low here and low there. That's what the scriptures say, huh? The kingdom of heaven is within you. So when we're looking at these things and the godly fear uh, and the fear of the Lord, where are we going to find it at? How about, like we said, righteousness? I remember years ago when I made up my mind, I don't want to live like I have this part of my life. Pretty much half, well, um, that was the first half of my life. I like to say it was B.C., before Christ. Yeah? And um, I made a choice, made a commitment that I wanted to know God. Robin, you and my brother did the same thing around the same time. And... Um, we wanted to know God. I don't know about you guys, but one of the first things that happened to me was I looked to do things that were right. Tried to, tried to be right in the eyes of God, not worrying so much about what people thought anymore, or what people said or, or talked about. Although you kind of grow through that, 
because when I was young, I wanted to uh, love everybody and be friends with everybody. I felt the love of Jesus in me, and I just wanted to make friends, and, you know, God is love, so let's just all love each other. And I had real long hair back then, was uh, a bodybuilder and, uh, you know, athlete, worked out in the gyms and all those things, and I uh, was at a gas station in Farmersville, and I noticed these girls, they were very distinct, like women at the church I went to. Michelle, they had long hair. Some of them had them up in buns. And they had long dresses and stuff on. Well, what I did as a, an ignorant young man in God, I was getting gas, and I, I wanted to talk to people about Jesus. I wanted to tell them about Jesus and this amazing man, uh, what he has done for me in my life. And God, I just wanted to share the good things of God with people. So I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to them. And there in line, I was pumping the gas, I went in there, and I said, hey, uh, something like, sisters, oh my gosh. They turned around. If, if looks could kill, they'd have buried me on the spot. They looked at me with such hatred, would not say hello, would not say anything to me. And I, and I thought to myself, there's a little more to serving God than I've realized right now. And uh, because they were taught, the church they went to, if a man had long hair, he's a sinner. If you wore jewelry, I remember getting an invitation to a church in um, a Pentecostal church. We're talking about Pentecostal. Uh, in Hanford, and well, it was actually my little brother's church. They wanted me to come and testify, and uh, I was going to do it, but they said you got you have to cut your hair, and you can't um, wear your wedding ring. You can't wear jewelry. This is called legalism, legalistic stuff. And I decided, you know what? At that time, I'm going to keep my hair and I'm going to keep my ring. So I didn't go testify over there that that day. Although the pastor that we sat under, Elsie Quinn. God rest his soul, has passed away now, uh, preached a message, it's a, what they call a clothesline message. You know, the women can't cut their hair. They've got to grow their hair long and got to dress a certain way, and men have to cut their hair, Michelle. We've got to do certain things, this and that. He preached that, and he cut my hair in the foyer. I've told this story many times. Worst haircut I've ever had in my life. But here's my point in saying all of this. I was trying to do what was right. I heard him say, Jim, men have to cut their hair. Well, let's just do it. Cut it right there in the foyer, bro. And I was happy as can be that I did it. Um, but I soon realized there's a difference between what God says to you and what God demands of you and what man, by false interpretation of the scriptures, requires of you. And I'm starting to realize, oh, there's two different kinds of righteousness here. There's one, Bryce, that's a self-righteousness. As a matter of fact, it was the same pastor that was teaching one time and made the proclamation that um, you don't have to go very far away from the Pentecostal church to find a modern-day Pharisee. I didn't understand what he meant at that time. But it was the Pharisees that dressed a certain way. It was the Pharisees that um, uh, made long prayer to be seen of men. In other words, they tried to be righteous in the eyes of God, but they were self-righteous. It was not a clean righteousness. And... Um, it's interesting that this pastor hardly ever taught legalism, but they lived it, like by an example, you know. It's just the one time he read the scripture in Corinthians about a, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. So I was like, okay, let's cut that stuff off and get going with this. But I'm looking back and, and I'm thinking, even in a conversation in Chicago, because it's funny, we have certain terminologies as church folks, you know, as Christians. 
we talk about the, the spirit that's in us or the inner man. Remember, Julie, we had a young lady come to a Bible study and she's like, inner man, what's that all about? Well, it's in the scriptures. Well, there was an indifference between me and a, a fellow at work in, when I worked at uh, Castro PLD in Chicago. And the boss was kind of mediating what was going on. And I said to him, I'm just, you know, I wanted to do the right thing. So I was going to humble myself. Even though the other guy was wrong, I made the statement, I just want to do what's right. And he said, you don't have to always be right. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but do you see how that can be confused? And I, what I was saying was, I wanted, I'm looking to be right in the eyes of God. I'm looking to have God's righteousness imputed unto me. And you know, the scriptures even talk about, um, you can be evil and treated. You could be done wrong. And if you humble yourself, it's acceptable in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, we don't always have to be right. See, the servant of the Lord, Paul said, must not strive. So it's way better not to argue, not to strive, not to be contentious with an individual, and just rely on God and trust God that he is, he is going to be the righteous one and that he would be the one that imputes his righteousness unto us. But my whole point here is, how many of you can remember the day, and maybe you just was this, all, this way all your life, you really wanted to do what was right. You want to do what's right. I bet many of you still feel that way today. And um, I know it works in me continually. I realize now going back, that was godly fear working. But I, re I really needed to be taught. I needed to understand how this worked greater. And um, let's go to Exodus the 23rd chapter. We've talked about this recently. This is God's people, Israel. After coming through the Red Sea, or, let me see here, yeah. God showing them, he said, we just taught about this, that he was go before them, he's with them, and he'll follow up afterwards, right? Well, the way he did this was, verse 1, he said, Behold, I'm sorry, this is Exodus 23, verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way, to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. He said, Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. He said, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So if you do what's right, you listen to the messenger of the Lord, God said, I'll be on your side. Your enemies, I'll be an enemy to them. Your adversaries, I'll be an adversary to them. So you see how important it is? That's one thing I always keep in my mind. Even in conversation with anybody, I don't care if it's my wife, my children, you, anybody, at the end of the day, I want to do what's right because I need God on my side. <laughs> it's not going to be good if he's on your side and I'm on the opposite side, if you understand what I mean. So you try to humble yourself and do what's right continually and make sure, Jennifer, we talked about this a lot of times, that you're on the right side with God. Well, sometimes, Julie, that, there's some suffering that comes along with that. Sometimes, uh, I mean, look at Jesus. Did he ever do anything wrong? He's God manifest. He's the righteousness of God given to man. And 
Did everybody love him? No. They, they despised him and hated him and his words so much, they really were despising what was right. They wanted to be right, Bryce. They wanted to be uh, the ones that could proclaim God's righteousness, to be seen as righteous, to be seen as the children of God. And when Jesus was that individual and manifest in front of them, they hated him. So marvel not that if at times you're doing what's right and not everybody appreciates it. Not everybody agrees with you and not everybody likes you, okay? That's just a little bit of a word of advice. If, if, everybody, um, if not everybody loved Jesus and some wanted to kill him, there might be individuals at times that dislike you, that hate you for what you think and what you believe. But again, we can look at the scriptures today. When you suffer wrongfully uh, for righteousness sake, that's acceptable in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because you got God on your side. And he's going to be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. In other words, some of you are doing what's right. Now trust God. Trust God with the rest of it. Believe God. And uh, you may have to suffer some. But Paul said in Romans, the sufferings of this world are not to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So we're always going to look to stay on the right side of God. You do that by walking in righteousness. And again, it can be a little deceptive to see if I'm trying to be righteous for myself <coughs> or if I'm really doing this for God in the eyes of God. As a matter of fact, let's look at this real quick in Romans, the 10th chapter. We'll come back to Exodus 23, maybe. Romans chapter 10, Paul writing to the church in Rome. He said, uh, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is this, that they might be saved. Now, there were a lot of Israelites that didn't like Paul either. Huh? He, he was let down in a basket, down a wall, because they were going to kill him, Tim. He was beaten with stripes. He was left out in the sea. Um, they continually went after Paul like they did Jesus because of what? There's a, there's a scripture in the prophets that talks about being righteous. And you know what one of the things um, righteousness is? Is to be able to speak things that are right. And I'm not talking about you having the knowledge of the um, stock market and I can get it right. I'm not talking about you, you know, gonna, we've got a Super Bowl here in a couple weeks that you're going to guess the right team and you're right and you're going to win a lot of money. It, it's speaking truth. It's speaking things that are right. And um, what the fear of the Lord does begins with righteousness. And you know what you'll start to do, Carrie? You'll start to think things differently that are righteous. Because you'll start to put on the mind of Christ. Right? You'll start to speak things that are right. And if you're, you have a pastor or a teacher or somebody telling you about God, uh, they need to be telling you the right things. You don't need to lead people astray because you don't know what you're talking about. Fair enough? But when this fear of the Lord begins to develop in you as God teaches it to you, you're going to see things right. You're going to hear things right. You're going to speak things right. You're going to begin to think things that are right, which I'm sure there's nobody in this building today uh, thinks anything wrong, right? Everybody's always thinking right and has the great thoughts. We're all just sitting there in heaven with Jesus, right? My daughter Brianna says that's her. 
You remember, it was the good and honest heart that brought forth fruit with patience. <laughs> There's only one righteous, isn't there? It's Jesus. But do you know that Paul wrote uh, in one of his epistles? Let me think where it was. Was it Ephesians? We'll bring it up next week. But he said that you might be unmovable, unreprovable. Do you know there's a place in God? And in Exodus, he, God tells us, this is probably where we'll finish up at. He brought them up to the mount so his fear would be, would be before their faces. His fear. You know why? So they sin not. Because of the grace of God, there is a place that if God is imputing the fear of the Lord to you, godly fear, and you begin to walk in righteousness, you don't sin. Say, what? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. But what about when the grace of God is on you, Edith, and the grace of God is covering you, and you're in the salvation, we're saved by grace through faith, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, there's a difference between uh, Michelle and I trying to work our own righteousness and work it in our own eyes and God imputing it to you. Are you, are you with me? But there is a place where God sees you in grace, in his righteousness, that you're unblameable, unreprovable, unmovable, and you're without sin. Bryce, what do you think is one of the most prevalent things that happens when you walk in the place that I'm talking to you about right now? You have a peace that passes all understanding. The peace of God comes into your life. Remember, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there's a manifestation, Julie, of that kingdom, or what that kingdom is made of, that begins to work in you. And you have peace. I'm going to tell you, peace is an amazing thing. I brought this up last recording, but anybody that's ever had turmoil, uh, dealt with really hard things like death, death of a child, death of a loved one, uh, those things in their life, um, you know that you would do anything to have peace at that point. You know what I mean? Now, we're reading in Romans 10, huh? Verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He said, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So when you go to try to, he said, how do you say that? Establish their own righteousness or your own righteousness. And I, I used the examples earlier about the clothesline messages. And, you know, I did whatever they said for a while because I just wanted to do what was right. <clears throat> and then God led me to a place to realize that's man's doctrine. That's man's teaching. That brings you into captivity and never really makes you righteous before the eyes of God. But I always continued still to do what was right. You know what I mean? Well, why do you not commit murder? Well, the Bible says it's one of the Ten Commandments. Well, I don't want to end up in prison for the rest of my life. You know, why do people, let's just say this, not fight when maybe there is cause for a fight? Anybody ever get cut off in traffic? Like, I'm going to get them? Some things you just got to say, I, I want to do what's right because it's right. You understand what I'm saying? Michelle, you ever experienced any road rage? <laughs> now you and Brianna both got that good and honest heart going on. <laughs> um, godly fear 
begins with righteousness. It ends with righteousness. It's not our ability to be right in our own eyes or establish our own righteousness like Paul's talking about Israel here, but it's actually the righteousness of God. It comes through Jesus Christ. He's a righteous king. He rules in a kingdom of righteousness. His servants are righteous. And where each and every one of us are at in that, God has to show us that. You understand? Verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. He said, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So remember I said it's the beginning and it's the end, right? Go with me to Isaiah, and I'll finish up right here. Isaiah, the 11th chapter, this prophet is prophesying about Jesus. And he's using a parable and calling Jesus a righteous branch and that he is going to reign. Now, this is a good place to wrap this up because what have, what have you heard here today? Godly fear is how we serve the Lord, right? Godly fear, his fear, the fear of the Lord, which is wisdom and understanding. It's taught to you. It's clean. Uh, there's peace. There's joy in that. Um, but also, it begins with righteousness, doing what is right, trying to do what is right, and then God showing you you're not going to be able to do it on your own. I'm going to have to help you. And I'll impute it unto you, and we'll do this together. I'll do the work if you can walk with me and, and believe me while I'm working. That's pretty simple, isn't it, in layman's terms? Isaiah 11 and 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Who are we talking about here, Bryce? Walker? Two witnesses talking about jesus aren't we it's a prophecy he said and the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the lord and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes neither reprove after the hearing of his ears remember i said you start to see things through God's eyes, through righteousness. You start to hear things through God's ears, through righteousness. In other words, you're becoming a new man that's based on the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ himself. Is anybody up for any of this? Anybody want to have godly fear work in your life? Where, where God teaches you wisdom and understanding, where we can serve him with reverence, acceptable uh, uh, and uh, godly fear acceptable in his sight if you're willing he's able if we believe and, and you seek god remember seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you then you're a candidate to be able to uh, begin to walk in the fear of the lord and grow closer to jesus christ every single day of your life amen